Welcome, everyone, into the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. I'm joined, as always, by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can get the Talking Tide podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And, of course, we are live on YouTube and Facebook as well. The Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. Give us a like on both YouTube and Twitter. We'll get you links to uh, our Weekly slash twice weekly pies a drop right there on that Twitter feed. Want to thank Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, our local sponsor, and of course corporate sponsor DraftKings. More on them later in the program. We begin this Sunday nighter looking back at an absolutely dominant performance by Alabama's basketball team over Kentucky, a home victory, seventy-eight to fifty-two. The final score, a game that was. Uh, relatively close for much of the first half. Alabama just ran away with it uh, in a big way in the second half. Big-time environment at Coleman Coliseum. Uh, the announced attendance was over 13,000. Haven't seen the place that packed in some time. Nick Saban on hand. Uh, it was uh, quite a scene, Travis, and uh, uh, Nate Oates' squad uh, gave the people what they came for, for sure. Yeah, delivered, and it really wasn't a pretty first half, I would say, by Alabama standards, not exactly the way that they like to play with an emphasis on the offensive end of the floor, but that made it maybe even more impressive that they had an 11-point lead at 35-24 to 24 and kind of the usual suspects with this team, right? And you're starting to get a sense from a scoring identity standpoint, well, it starts with Brandon Miller, we know that, but Mark Sears, it just seems like you can write down 15, 16, 17 points per game for the uh, for the transfer, and he did it once again. I mean, when you look at Sears and Miller right now, you can pretty much count on about 35 points per game from that duo. And then, you know, the second half, uh, it was more of the kind of game Alabama likes to play, and turnovers once again for a second straight game. Uh, a real positive for Alabama and and staying south of double digits and in that area. And so um, just another impressive performance. I would say efficient too. Pretty efficient performance from this Alabama team. Yeah, the last two games, as a matter of fact, Ole Miss plus the Kentucky game really have done a nice job cutting down on those turnovers. As you said, Mark Sears, a big uh, game, 16 for him. He wins the Har Hat Award. Uh, ended up with six rebounds as well. You wouldn't expect a guy Sears' size to get any rebounds at all, especially against Kentucky uh, that's got all the size they had. But he was scrappy, loose ball on the floor. He was on it. Uh, played good defense as well. Uh, Noah Clowney apparently told him in the locker room that uh, now that we've seen you play defense like that, we're going to expect it every game. <laughs> so uh, Nate, Nate O's relaying that uh, in the postgame game press conference. John Calipari, uh, in stark contrast, uh, absolutely flustered uh, after this game, Travis said. I don't even know if I want to watch the tape. Of course, he will. Uh, but that's uh, that was the first thing out of his mouth. He goes into Kentucky's inability to win on the road this year, uh, asked about Oscar Sheeway and, and the rough game he had. Um, he just didn't have a lot of answers. And uh, other than to tip his hat to Charles Bediaka, who he said uh, has has been known to give Chibwe trouble, not just in this game, but before with his height and his length. And 
uh, along with some impressive scoring performances. Of course, Brandon Miller leading the way with 19, Travis. Uh, Betty Ocker did a really nice job on the big man. It was interesting because you watched that game Saturday and you felt like, man, most if not all of the real pros in this game are on the Alabama side of this, um, especially from a youth perspective because it's always been – largely about one and dones for Cal. This is a more experienced Kentucky team by Cal standards. And it starts with Shibway and uh, had to bench him a couple of times there in the first half because he was absolutely clueless on the, on the high ball screen uh, action from Alabama, just multiple lobs and able to, as you said, throw it over the top of him because Betty Yako did have an advantage in height and length. So Alabama, I thought, did a very nice job in the first half of taking advantage of those situations with the lob. And then in the second half, once Kentucky became a little hypersensitive to that over the top, then you saw ball handlers look to get more to the rim. Javon Quinterly too, man. We talk about a second straight game. JQ, very impressive off the bench, very efficient, no turnovers for Quinterly once again in this game. And, now, they're going to get that kind of production, that kind of play from that guy to go along with Sears and Bradley and, uh, you know, what they have uh, and on the perimeter and, and really just across the board seems only going to get better, Chase. Yeah, it's kind of a three-headed monster at the point, right, with Sears and, Brad, and uh, Bradley and, and Quinterly, and they all bring a little something different uh, to the table, you know, a different kind of a different flavor for – for each one of them in terms of what they give Alabama. Quinterly, uh, obviously uh, a phenomenal ball handler, although turnovers have been an issue for him this season. Uh, but he had none in this game, Travis. And uh, uh, looks like he played 18 minutes. And, you know, quietly, Javon Quinterly, Travis, was the reason Alabama was able to open that 11-point lead at the half because with a few minutes to go in the first half, it's a pretty tight game. And I want to say in the last three, maybe four minutes of the game, or excuse me, of, of the first half, uh, Quinterly delivers a layup. He delivers a couple free throws, and he gets a three-point play. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, uh, I guess, seven points for him toward the end of the first half that really kind of opened things up uh, and gave him a, a pretty comfortable edge at the half, even though the first half was, was pretty tight for much of the way. Yeah, and Alabama, after the fast start, hit that drought. And I know Alabama fans, when that happens, they just think, here we go, another seven, eight, nine-minute drought like we've seen from some previous Alabama teams. But this team is built in a way from a personnel perspective. First of all, Brandon Miller, um, typically uh, you're not going to go through many scoring droughts when you have a six-nine guy that can play like he can on the ball or shoot the three. Uh, but they did incur some of that for about five minutes without a field goal in that first half. So, absolutely, Quinterly was big. And I'll tell you something else that helps where scoring droughts are concerned. When you're not scoring the basketball from the field and you can get to the free throw line like this team can, I mean, statistically, when you look at this game, 26 trips to the line for Alabama. Didn't even really shoot it particularly well, 18 of 26 but just five free throw attempts for Kentucky on the other side. Uh, that's just the kind of statistical uh, disparity or difference that you don't often see 
with Kentucky teams historically. Yeah, th- there have been more than a few Alabama-Kentucky basketball games where Alabama fans get up in arms about how many trips Kentucky gets to the free throw line. Uh, they ended up just five out of eight at the free throw line. Surprisingly, uh, they did out-rebound Alabama by just a little bit, 45-41 uh, was that total. One of the only times, if not the only time, that Alabama's been out-rebounded this season. But you're right, the free throw is definitely critical. Alabama knocked them uh, well, they went to the line. 18 out of 26 uh, was their percentage. I guess that's not exactly lighting it up from the free throw line, but they got there uh, right. is, is, is the point. And it's still uh, a 13-point edge. Yeah, 13-point edge plus 13 from the free throw line for Alabama, even at sub-70% from the line. And you know, it's two games in a row now that they've been out-rebounded. But when you look at, say, three-point numbers for Ole Miss – in Kentucky, I think you're talking about like seven of 44 the last two games. Those two teams shot from yeah. three. So, uh, you know, teams that shoot it that poorly from the outside probably should have a few more offensive rebounds and opportunities certainly to rebound. Finally, Brandon Miller, uh, uh, team high 19 points, had a team high seven rebounds. Travis, I don't, I, I've not seen – and look, I wasn't around when when Colin Sexton came through because I was working for the NFL at the time. So, you know, my perspective on this is a little spotty. But I don't ever remember seeing thirty plus NBA scouts at an Alabama <laughs> basketball game, and, and they were there to see Brandon Miller. And and that's not to say, like you said, Kentucky's got a couple pros uh, wearing blue in this game as well. But Brandon Miller is the guy. He's supposed to be the lock as a lottery pick in the summer. And uh, I think 20 or 21 different NBA clubs represented. So several of them obviously had uh, a couple of people there to watch this one. And uh, he he was impressive. 19 points, seven rebounds, showed him the three-point range, gave him a couple of three-pointers. He was uh, two out of six from three-point range, but just smooth around the rim, Travis, uh, and scoring – uh, around Kentucky's bigs uh, in the in the paint as well. And a guy who averages around 20 a game, Chase, and doesn't get up 14 shots per game from the field. So NBA people love that too. That's efficiency, especially for a young player. And you're right. They were there to see some Kentucky guys. I think Casey Wallace, the freshman for Kentucky, is a guy that, you know, is is on that radar and He's one of 13 from the field in the in the loss for the Wildcats. Just two points for Wallace, 0 of 6 from 3. So, yeah, Miller, I thought, even when it didn't come easily for him in the early stages of the game, he stayed within the team dynamic and within himself. And eventually, uh, you know, it seems like, again, kind of like Sears lately, one way or the other, uh, Miller's going to get to his 19-20. Looking forward for the Alabama basketball team. Travis, they're going to be on the road taking on Arkansas Wednesday. That'll be a 6 p.m. Central time tip-off. It'll be airing on ESPN2. Looking a little further ahead, uh, they will be at home against LSU on Saturday and then uh, turn around and go back on the road uh, to take on Vanderbilt in Nashville and Missouri uh, in Columbia. You're on just how – this next stretch of three or four league games sets up for Alabama. 
Yeah, the trip to Arkansas has been a tough one for Alabama basketball historically. I think you could probably say that for a lot of teams. But Alabama 6-21 and in road games between Barnhill Arena, which is where Arkansas once played, before Bud Walton Arena. So Alabama has not won in Fayetteville Chase since 2012. So they got a little bit of a demon to exercise there. It's an Arkansas team right now playing without two of its very best players. Talk about Nick Smith Jr. as a freshman, was one of the most highly coveted recruits for the 2022 cycle. Uh, Trayvon Brazil, a transfer from Missouri, is out with the season-ending ACL injury, a guy that comes off the bench or came off the bench and provided really good post-depth for Arkansas. So it's a wounded Arkansas team. It's an Arkansas team that when we talk about perimeter basketball right now, is not shooting it well at all. So uh, it's a big one for Arkansas. Arkansas is one and two in the league, man. This is a team that was like Alabama in top tens in the preseason and uh, needs to get the job done at home because it's dropped its first two road games in SEC play. All right, recapping things so far. Alabama now 13-2 and two overall on the season, 3-0 and in SEC play. They're on a four-game win streak, 8-0 at home, 3-0 and on the road, 2-2 two and two on neutral fours is the Crimson Tide. So uh, there you have that. And uh, with that, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors here on Katine. We're going to start uh, by t- telling you about our corporate sponsor. That would be Draft Kings, the NFL playoff picture Locked in and the go-to place for wild card round action is definitely the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to the new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get free bet uh, back up to $10. Action so good, why bet the playoffs anywhere else? So once again, Download that DraftKings Sportsbook app. Be sure to use the promo code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL, get 200 in free bets instantly, only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Coming <laughs> off a pretty big weekend there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, Chase, because no one travels in college basketball like the University of Kentucky. Big Blue Nation. I need to send a thanks out to Big Blue Nation because uh, they had fans in the store over the weekend making that trip down to Tuscaloosa. That was obviously the sweetest part about the trip, I think, for the Kentucky fans. But uh, Peter Brook Chocolatier, you've got uh, Valentine's Day coming up. Never too early to get in there. Go ahead and get your strawberry orders in there in advance. That way, when you come to pick them up on Valentine's Day or maybe the 13th, whatever it may be, they're going to be ready for you. You walk right in, you grab your strawberries, you're out the door at Peter Brook Chocolatier. And they've made the transition from Christmas to the New Year, so the store looks great. The chocolate lady's been in there absolutely getting the job done. Katie, the chief chocolatier there. At Peter Brook Chocolatier doing a great job as well. Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Yeah, that, that official Peter Brook blue shade looks an awful lot like the official UK blue. I wonder if there's like a subconscious magnet for them. I think they, it brought them in. You see that, you know, you know? like mosquitoes to a zappa. 
Yeah, I think so, man. Yeah. Peter Brook chocolate here. Cannot beat it. All right, moving on with the Talking Tide podcast. A few minutes to go. We're going to quickly touch on the CFP title game. Of course, Georgia taking on TCU on Monday night. Also, Travis, want to talk uh, a little bit about what's going on with Alabama's football roster of late. When we last podcasted, uh, we were on the brink of that uh, press conference where Will Anderson, Bryce Young, and Jameer Gibbs announced their turn in pro. Subsequently, Brian Branch and Eli Ricks say they're off to the NFL as well. And then finally, Will Reichard, who had made a commitment to the Senior Bowl, decides, eh, I think I'm going to stick around for uh, for one more year, come back uh, to Alabama. What did you make of uh, all the plus minus there? I thought the, the, the minuses were pretty much expected, right? Even Eli Ricks, you just had a sense that this was going to be a little bit of a layover for him and anticipation of moving on to the National Football League. Now, did he have the kind of season that I would consider supportive of that decision that he ultimately made? No, but sometimes I think a lot of guys, you've seen this, you know this, a lot of guys have their mind made up regardless that this is it. They're moving on. So you wish Eli the best of luck. I think in certain systems he can be effective. We've talked about that on the podcast. I thought getting Will Reichard back was huge, especially in a year where you're going to be transitioning at the quarterback position. They've leaned on him even with Bryce Young. He's been big with Bryce Young. Yeah. Think about how big he might be with Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson or both at the quarterback position in 2023. So I thought that was uh, that was excellent news for Alabama to get Will Reichert back for another year. And I think Connor Talty, the kicker Alabama signed a week or two ago for the 2023 class, he's got a lot of potential. I, mean, I think he's going to be a good one. But um, you, you just feel better about maybe the next guy having a year to kind of learn and get into that spot instead of just being thrown into it when you're looking at teams like Texas early in the season, games like that, where, you know, this Alabama team in 2023 going into those sort of games in September, the, the expectation isn't going to be for, for Alabama just to roll. And even in 2022, it took two big kicks by Will Reichard for Alabama to get out of September undefeated. Yeah, it, it's going to help Talty to be around Will Reichard for a year. I don't think there's any question about it. And uh, him coming back, yeah, I tell you what, with the career he's had at Alabama, if he knocks home a couple more game winners and big ones next year, he'll go down as one of the most beloved kickers, at least to the fan base, I think, of, of, of uh, just about any kicker you want to name. Obviously, there have been a few, Mike Proctor, Philip Doyle. Uh, and Tiffin. Uh, you, you know that list better. You know that list better than I do, but but Will Reichard, uh, he won't have to buy many beers in Tuscaloosa no. when, when he's uh, all done. No, he has to buy his own beers in Austin, Texas, but yeah. in Tuscaloosa, <laughs> you know, he could could be drinking free for a pretty long time. Georgia TCU in the CFP title game on Monday night, Travis. I believe that's a 6.30 Central Time kickoff. They're playing that thing. It's going to be 4.30 local, uh, Los Angeles, SoFi <laughs> Stadium. I guess Nobody uh, out there cares anyway. I mean, they could play it at 7 a.m. in L.A. and it'd be like, yeah, yeah, really cool. Yeah, well, nobody out there works till 5 o'clock anyway. So. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, uh, your thoughts uh, on that, how that one's going to play out. Me, personally, I like Georgia to win. I kind of, at one point, I thought, you know, Georgia's going to, 
Georgia's going to tear them apart if that's the matchup. Then I then I watched TCU beat Michigan and was high, highly impressed. I do think Georgia's going to have some success running the ball on that three three five. I think they can bully their way to uh, a big game on the ground. They've obviously got the uh, a huge weapon in Brock Bowers in the passing game with Stetson Bennett. Uh, but, you know, TCU's got a lot of athletes, Travis, and, and uh, it's a team that plays well together. And, and after watching them take care of business against the Wolverines, I, I'm not going to be shocked if this one's tight at all. I hope you're right, man, because my initial and lasting thought on this game, at least going into it, is I already saw this game. It was the Sugar Bowl. I saw Alabama K-State, and I kind of envisioned a a similar result for Georgia and another Big 12 team in TCU. I I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's a competitive game. I hope we're glued to our sets for all four quarters. Uh, I'm with you in terms of um, the, the competitive nature and how TCU gets after it. You know, that, that will be interesting to see if that's enough and for how long it's enough in the game Monday night. I love Max Duggan. I, I, mean, I like, I love Quentin Johnston. They, they've got some legit players. It's not that they don't. Um, and look, we've seen Georgia tested, not just against Ohio state, but go back to the Missouri game earlier in the season where they were very fortunate to get out of Como with a win. So this hasn't been, in my opinion, a Georgia team for all time when we talk about the annals of college football history, but still very talented, um, built in a way like Alabama against that 3-3-5 for Kansas State, eventually got around to being successful on the run, on the ground in the run game. I, I think that's going to be a similar situation uh, for Georgia on Monday night. Going to be fun for sure. Georgia TCU for all the marbles in college football uh, on Monday night. All right, that's going to do it for the Sunday Nighter here on the Talking Tide podcast, an abbreviated version of Talking Tide. We enjoyed being with you. Thanks to our viewers and listeners. Be sure to uh, join us again next Sunday night uh, when we'll be recapping Alabama's basketball game against LSU and other news around UA athletics. So for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News and the co-host of Crimson Cover Television. We will talk to you next Sunday night right here on Talking Tide.